is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs is in his 41st year as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. I wanted to tell you what a great service you provide to this community. I listen to your show every week. Thank you for what you do for our community, for all the parents, coaches, and athletes. And now, here's your host, rated one of the best therapists in Kansas City, Missouri, by OnlineTherapy.com, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Every Sunday morning, talking with you about the world of sports psychology, your mind, your attitude, your focus. Our shows are rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of cities, and they're podcasted everywhere. You can always hear them on my website, winnersunlimited.com. And I love doing this show. I've been here for 31 years on the radio in Kansas City now. Hard to believe. 31 years less. 21 here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. One of the, actually one of the longest, I've been on the radio just about as long as anybody in this city and um, love doing it because our show is about you. It's about mindsets and attitudes, self-confidence, focus, relationships. If you're a coach, how do you work with your athletes? If you're, athletes, if you're an athlete, how do you deal with your coach? If you're a parent, what happens when there are issues going on that you've got to deal with with parents or athletes or unruly teammates or whatever it might be. We talk about all these types of topics on this show. And uh, last week I had a great, one of, one of the best shows I've had in a long time. We, we talked to Tyrell Reed, who is a member of the University of Kansas National Basket, Basketball Championship uh, team in 2008. And if you have a, a youngster who's playing sports, it's a great show uh, to listen to the podcast because a great, great young man, Tyrell, had, had great advice and really shared a lot about confidence and focus and attitude and being on a team and, and all those types of issues, which obviously are big ones right now since the NCAA tournament is winding down to the Final Four. And um, obviously here in Kansas City, lots of people are KU fans, and they're playing today, and we'll see what happens with that game. And, uh, of course, I was KU's first sports psychologist, so I would love to see them win in advance to the Final Four. So... You know, each week I try to come up with a topic that I think will be of interest to you, our listeners. And sometimes I'll have someone to interview. Sometimes I won't today. We don't. So I'm going to be talking about something that everybody deals with in life. If you're an athlete, you need to have this because if you don't have it, you're going to have trouble. It's self-confidence. And my producer, Blake Schneiders, will join us today and share his thoughts on this because Blake played sports at the collegiate level, played football at the collegiate level, and has talked a lot with me on, on our shows about dealing with coaches and teammates and all that type of stuff. So, you know, so I want to get at what I think confidence is. I mean, my the simple definition is it's, it's the ability to believe in yourself. Self-confidence is self-confidence. 
the ability to believe in you and your skills, your talents, what you can do. And I, I've had the privilege throughout my 41 years of work to work with so many great people. Um, I was the team psychologist with the U.S. cycling team back in the 80s. In 1984, we won nine medals in the Olympics, had one ending in 72 years, and work with many of those cyclists on their confidence. I've had several on the show, including Steve Haig, who was a double medal winner, a gold and silver medal winner, a gold medal winner in the individual pursuit, and a, a silver medal winner on the team pursuit event. I've had many professional athletes on this show from basketball, football, baseball, soccer, and they've talked about it. I've had coaches on this show who've talked about it. Confident, if you don't have a strong level of self-confidence, you're, you're going to have trouble with negativity and failure. I work with so many athletes across the board. Uh, in fact, I'm talking to several in Europe, you know, on, on, online who have found me via the podcast through my website. And this confidence issue comes up with everybody. Sometimes it's confidence with the coach, ability to talk to a coach, get along with the coach. Sometimes it's with teammates. Sometimes it's with fans, how they treat you. Um, so it's, it, it's something that we all at some point have to confront and deal with in some ways. So where does it all start? If you're an athlete and you have a high level of self-confidence, why is that? If you don't, why is it? I have lots of teenage athletes, high school and collegiate athletes that I, I consult with and work with. And for many of them, they come in because they have a confidence problem. So, you know, as a, as a therapist, we look into their background, how they, the relationship with their parents is, the relationship with their, their coaches that they've had is. And one of the things that I seem to find consistently with a lot of young people who have confidence issues is that somewhere along the way, they had a coach who insulted them, made fun of them, picked on them, degraded them, um, got angry at them, and it was never really dealt with properly. And so then that sticks in their head as an athlete. You know, they don't like me, I'm not good enough, whatever. And then that self-doubt grows, it, it, it's like a virus. You know how we can get sick from a virus. Losing your confidence is sort of like that as well. It just sort of consumes you. And what I found with so many teenage athletes that I work with, as well as collegiate athletes, of course some of them are teenagers too, is that when they're having trouble with something, it stems back to something they were told or the way they were treated when they were younger. Great example I have was a collegiate basketball player she was a great three-point shooter, signed at her school uh, to play be, in part because of her skills at doing that. But she started having trouble her sophomore year. And her coach, who had used me before, called me, says, listen, I've got someone I've got you to talk to. I don't understand. She, she can't shoot three-pointers. So we started working on this. And what happened was between her... Freshman and sophomore year, she went home and started working out at the gym where she had gone to high school, and her high school coach was there and started saying stuff to her and reminding her of some of the negative things he told her when she was in high school. And this brought, mem her memory came back, 
and it was about self-doubt. He would he would get angry at her if she'd miss a shot. And so she he would call her names, and even though she had sort of forgotten that, now it came back. And now her sophomore year in college, boom. So we worked on this for a while, and I actually had her write a letter to him that she wasn't sure if she was going to send it or not. But in this letter, she, she wrote about her frustration. She got it out of her, her head and put it on paper. And it sort of allowed her to confront those issues. And she started playing better. And then she had the letter in, in her dorm room in her, in her desk and said, I don't know if I want to send it. If I start playing poorly again, I will. But at least I got it out of my head. And I encouraged her to send it because I said, I think it's important that you, you get this to him. But the thing was, she dealt with that feeling. She dealt with that negativity. And what I find with so many young people today is when they have a confidence issue that seems to be going on and on, I can't shoot or I'm afraid to strike out or I'm afraid to, to I'm not, not good enough. It goes back to things they were told when they were younger. So I'd like to open up our phone lines. If you're a coach, how do you build confidence in your athletes? At the same time, have, have you had a time where maybe you've, you've heard it? And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. If you're an athlete or you've played sports before and you've had a confidence issue, how did that affect you? Our phone number is 913-3810-810. I'd love to hear from you. Let's get into discussion about this. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is this. It's something we all have to deal with in life almost on a daily basis. It's our self-confidence. How you build it up, how you destroy it, what are the, the components of it. And if you're an athlete, obviously it's something we all need to have. And, and in my 41 years of work, I've, I, I would say this is probably the most common topic, common issue I've, I've talked about with almost everybody at some point it comes in. You know, uh, I've had athletes from age seven and eight in my office who are gymnasts, and I love, love this one. The oldest, someone said, Doc, what's the oldest athlete person you've ever seen? It was an 81-year-old female golfer. And this is, gosh, 20 years ago. And when I asked her, and this is straight, honest to God, what she said, why are you coming to see me? She goes, because my putting sucks. And I thought that was pretty funny for an 81-year-old lady to say that, but it did. Why did it? Because she was too nervous and too scared to, to make her putts. And why? Well, when she was playing in her 60s, she was in a tournament and missed a short putt. I think it was like three or four feet. And she lost the club championship for her her age group. And she told me that it stayed in her head for 20 years. And we worked on this, and she was able to overcome that because her focus got to concentrating on the shot instead of worrying about missing it. And she was worrying about missing it because... She'd missed that big putt earlier in her 60s, and that memory was there. With so many young athletes that I work with, as I shared, there's, there's usually the memory of a failure where they were insulted or cut down by teammates or coaches or family members or friends. 
and that seems to stick in their head. So the power of language is so is, is so important. Language is so powerful. And I think one of the things as a coach that's an essential part of being a good coach to me is working on how you communicate with your team, with your athletes. And one of the things I found is that many coaches will say things not intentionally to hurt an athlete, but maybe to be funny, but that young person will take it personally as an insult or a cut. And the result of that is they have self-doubt and then their confidence starts to go. So I think how you communicate to your team, how you communicate to your athletes is so important. And let's face it, we're all human, we all screw up. And the most important things for a coach is when you've done something or said something that you know may be interpreted in sort of a negative way, that maybe you need to take some time and sit down with that athlete personally and explain why you said it and sort of correct it. It, it It's so... Aware, it, it, it's so common with so many of the people I see. I have a, a baseball player, high school baseball player I'm working with right now who's a big kid. And when he was, his, his dad told me the other day that when he was younger, a coach gave him a nickname. And it was, it was sort of a, in jest, and it, but it made fun of him. And consequently, this young man to, in high school it's bothered him, and the other day he brought it, well, he brought it up to me first, that's where we talked about with his dad. And he said, you know, when I was younger, people made fun of me because I was slow, because I'm big, and he, he, my coach called me this name, and it still bothers me. So we got into discussion about that, and he actually wrote that coach a letter although he's now in high school. This was when he was, I think, eight when this, this coach called him this. He wrote the letter, and then he threw it away. And by throwing that letter away with that negativity, he said I, he threw away that, that name, and he, said, and he said, you know, it's amazing. I feel a lot better now. So how, how you're talked to or talked at plays such a big role. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. How do you instill confidence in you? How do you build up their confidence? And, Joe, so, we haven't had any callers yet. I'd love to hear from a coach who has realized in, in his or her coaching style that maybe he or she, you, you have said that has affected your alcohol, and then you had to deal with it. Our phone number is 1010 and I get feedback every week from so many people who listen to this show, and I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. And you've, you've realized that, you know what, I've done some things and said some things I probably shouldn't have done, and it's affected my athlete's mentality. If you're an athlete and you've had confidence issues, why is that? What's the reason for it? And if you're a parent and you can see your son or daughter struggling with their self-confidence, what do you do? You know, you try to build them up and help them, but what is it you need to say? And one of the, the, the issues related to parents is this. I get this all the time with lots of teenagers who come in my office, and sometimes even some kids in their 20s who are playing at a higher level. They're worried. They're worried that they're letting their parents down. 
they're worried that their play is letting their parents down. You know, I'm not doing, you, you, I, I struck out the other day and I'm letting you down. And almost every time the parents will sit there and tell the young person, you're not letting me down. And they'll say that they think they're mad, the, the, the parents are mad at me. And the parents say, no, I'm not mad at you. I'm upset for you. I'm not upset at you. And it's very interesting how that carries over. So it's so important about the power of language. And so that's something I want to get into today. All right, our phone number is 913 I'd love to hear from you. We've got our first caller today. Bobby, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling in. Good. Um, I was a former recreational coach, uh, seven-year-old up to about 12, and then I hung the shoes up and went into sports officiating. Uh, why'd you do that? That's that's an interesting change. Um, well, I'd be honest with you, my youngest kid, uh, football was kind of my uh, passion, and uh, he did not like playing football. Uh, so he uh, went into baseball, and I wanted to stay involved in football. Now I'm involved in multiple sports, and uh, in my 14th year as official. Well, first of all, thanks for doing that, because uh, that's not an easy thing to do. Oh, it's a it's a dying breed, man. We're, you know these kids are getting uh, getting punished for their reactions from their coaches and parents um, because we're losing officials. We'll, you know, average uh, tenure of an official right now uh, is about two years, and then you know these young kids decide, well, I don't want to get screamed and yelled at for that amount of money. You know what? I'd like to. We're going to go to our break here in a little while. I would like you to hold on and talk to you about this because this is this is a very important thing because. One of the things I hear from a lot of kids who have played sports but they've officiated is how parents will just just insult them so so much, yell and scream at them, cuss at them. They don't want to do it anymore. Yep. I'd be happy to discuss it because I'm a, I'm a big proponent of this and love to see something continue, uh, at least in the state of Missouri and Kansas, which I'm you know a local official for. Uh, because it is going to, it only hurts kids in the end when they can't play the game because we have no officials. So what happens to their self-confidence, Bobby? Because that's what we're talking about today. Oh, it gets crushed. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, I, we've had a couple great uh, young officials come out, and they last two years, and, you know, you get back in touch with them that third year, say, hey, we, you know, get you assigned to some games. And they're like, oh, I'm not doing it anymore. And you ask them why, and they're like, I just can't put up with the abuse. I mean, nobody deserves it. Uh, in the end, uh, you know, especially in the recreational leagues, the younger they are playing, uh, the harder it is to officiate because they think their kids the next LeBron James or Brett Favre at, at uh, second grade, and it's just not that way. Well, Bobby, hold on. we got to go to our commercial break here. I'd like to continue this discussion with you because this is an important yeah, one. Sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the leader in sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted everywhere on my website, winnersunlimited.com, and all the major podcast apps. And today's topic is self-confidence, and we have a brave caller on the line. His name is Bobby, who's an official here in the Kansas City area. And, Bobby, thanks for holding on. I'd really like to explore this with you. So you, you see and hear the behavior and comments from people on the sidelines towards officials and what's and so so let me ask you what's what is being done about it and what can be done about it well in the in the high school uh ranks let's say um 
I think a lot of it needs to come on to the school administrators when they start to hear an issue going on or start to hear something in the crowd. Uh, they need to go up to that fan and say, hey, we don't allow that. I don't know if it's a fear on the ADs or the uh, administrators that they don't want to upset their parents. Uh, but like I said prior to the commercial, this is, uh, this is a very um, – very cause concerning of, you know, the average age in Missouri is 54 years old and of an official. And, I mean, I'm going to sign or sign 150 games a year, and I had to cancel 10 games last year uh, due to no officials because, uh, you know, a lot of it is from the abuse from the fans. Well, you know, Bobby, the topic of sportsmanship, and I don't know if you've heard my show before. I've been on the air for 30 I'm not. I'm not normally up on a Sunday morning, but I am today heading to a game. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you listen again and encourage people to listen to the podcast because this is what I've talked about for 31 years on the radio. And for many years, people told me, you know, go away, Doc. I'm not listening to this stuff. But this is a problem. And, you know, behavior, the behavior of adults towards kids – and I was talking about you know self confidence, but when we get into officiating, I, I I've had dozens and dozens of people I've talked to throughout my career who have had kids who's who've officiated or themselves have officiated and quit because of the abuse and the treatment by parents on the sidelines and coaches, but usually it's the parents. The problem is. A lot of times, it's the the parents of one of the star players. So the coach the coach doesn't want to say anything. Do you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. I think they're they're afraid that you know they're going to pull their kid from the team, or they're going to uh, you know be shunned upon by addressing the situation. And uh, you know, it shouldn't be up to the officials to address a fan. Well, um, so, so let me inter- interrupt you real quick because in my and I've said this many times on this show. I think one of the greatest ways to solve this. If, if somebody is going over the edge with their behavior on the sideline and they're confronted on it and they're told you can't come back and come to one of these games unless you take an officiating course and you're an official, because then what would happen to that person? Uh, well, they're going to spend some money to do it and uh, they're going to learn the rules. And what will they realize about their behavior? Uh, they're going to learn the rules. Um, you know, I've always been a big proponent, not that it ever's happened, but or it's always been a good thought of mine that every coach should have to officiate a game. Um, you know, and then I, I like your idea of, of a parent or a fan that, uh, you know, thinks, I mean, we go through hours of training every year, and these parents and, and uh, you know, coaches do go through some training, but the uh, parents don't go through any training uh, well, to call these games. And, you know, we're in a split second. And, you know, officiating is all about angles. What you see from the – from the bleachers is different than what we see on the sideline. It's different than the coach sees on the sideline. Uh, you know, we're taught to get in the position uh, to be able to make the call. Uh, not that we're always right. I mean, I'll be the first uh, first official to say, "Hey, I'm wrong. You're right. Uh, we'll correct it and we'll move on." Well, last uh, time I che- last time I checked, Bobby, officials are human beings, not robots. We are. We are. And uh, you know, basketball, in my opinion, is one of the hardest to call because you're so close to the fans. Uh, baseball, softball is hard because, you know, you've got a strike zone that you're seeing behind the plate in the best position that's out there, and you get a, a parent or a fan that, uh, you know, or a coach that's uh, griping about that call. Uh, I mean, I was coaching a, a eight-year-old – or sorry, a nine-year-old uh, baseball game, and they threw a strike, uh, and my team won the game, and I had a fan from the other side come over and kick rocks on the official 14 years old and say, you suck. You think he's officiating now? 
Absolutely not. Well, what about that parent? What was done? Uh, you know, I called the league. Um, as a coach, uh, I never griped at the uh, officials. Uh, part of it, I guess, it was just in my blood. It was my forte, and I started officiating. Uh, but I called the league, and to be honest, I don't know what the outcome was because as far as I'm concerned, I turned it over to the league. Well, okay, so this show today is about self-confidence, and, and we're sort of moving away from that a little bit, but it's all connected. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but that, that's fine because the issue here you're bringing up, if you're a young athlete and you're out there playing and you're yelling, and, and as an official, you see this, you're – you make a mistake. You make a bad pass or you screw up, strike out, or you drop a ball. And then you've got adults yelling at you on the sideline. What do you see in those those young people with the way they're acting and have their body language? What happens? Oh, they just get deflated. It, it, uh, you know, I mean, again, these players are, are human, too, whether they're, you know, seven-year-old playing in a football game or, or uh, 18-year-olds playing in their last uh high school football game because, you know, there's not a lot of kids that go on to college to play or go on to the NFL to play, uh, you know, and these parents think they're, you know, I think a lot of us are living through their parents or, you know, they're living through their kids thinking that they're going to uh, be able to be that star. And, you know, there's a lot of money these parents invest in uh, the youth, youth sports. And, uh, you know, so I understand the money invested, but in the end they're still kids and you can't deflate their confidence and just belittle them. Um, you know, I was doing a, a eight-year-old uh, lacrosse game, and I mean, the coach is overdropping f bombs, telling them how bad they're playing, and you just can't do that. And I went well, over. Well, let me. Ask, coach, oh, sorry, yeah. Again. What did you say to the coach? I said, Coach, if I hear that again, you're out of here. And he goes, I'm coaching my kids. I said, But you're not going to coach eight-year-olds that way. Um, and what? Are, okay, so let me ask you a question. What were the parents doing? If 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 because let me tell you something. If I if when my my sons are 32 and almost 31 now. If they had a coach doing that, I would have gone up to that coach. If they're doing it during the game, I would have gone up to the coach during the game and said, excuse me, coach, that language is not appropriate. And if he used it to me, I said, we're out of here. And, and I don't tell anybody to leave leave a team or quit. And then I would report that coach. And I, I did report people when my kids played. I, I've shared on this show many times uh, abusive coaches. When my youngest son Gregory was playing, and I've shared this story before, when he was playing youth baseball, and he was, I think, 10 or 11, we were waiting to play the next game. The kids on the one of the teams were playing ahead of us, which grew up in the same neighborhood. The coach, one of the kids got to first base, got to second base. The third base coach encouraged him to steal. Third, he tripped and fell flat on his face. The coach turned around, kicked the fence. The bats and helmets fell off the bat rack. He threw off his hat and was kicking it. The young man comes in the dugout. He grabbed him by his neck and threw him against the fence. Oh, Lord. Which point I stood up and said, hey, put him down. And he then cursed at me, at which point now the the first base coach came in and grabbed him and said, what are you doing? That got in an argument. This young man's on the ground crying. His dad wasn't even there because his dad was socializing with some people because that was his dad. His dad came over. Anyway, this young man, when he was a sophomore in high school, his dad calls me and says, I need to bring Johnny in to see you. Why? Well, remember that game where he got yelled at and grabbed by the coach? His confidence has never been the same. And we worked on that, and he was able to get over it. But this is the type of stuff. I'd like to keep you on for the rest of the show, Bobby. I think what you're saying is great because I want to talk to you about how this affects kids. Okay, as as an official, you see it. And then what are officials' roles 
in this and what can be done from a, an education and training standpoint and how can this be how, the long term the lo- long term effect on these kids is, is is traumatic but it's all about winning it's all about that it's never about looking at, at somebody as an individual do you agree uh, absolutely it's all about the win and and the, you know I mean I've been interviewed on TV and so forth in regards to the same issue and uh, it's all about the win and that's not what sports I mean when I played it wasn't about the win it was like going out learning game learning a position that you excelled at and as a coach I didn't put a player at first base that I knew couldn't catch the ball now, well, if we got up big I may put him over there to build up some confidence uh, you know as, as a 10 year old kid I wouldn't put that kid at, at first base because he's going to fail well, Why my, what, am I going to put somebody in a position to fail? Well, I co-wrote a book called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Sports with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone. And Jeff coached my older son in baseball after he retired from the Royals, all-time uh, leading closer for the Royals in terms of saves. And Jeff coached this way. If somebody made a mistake or screwed up in a game, he didn't get angry at him. He'd put, you know, when they come to the dugout, put his arm around and say, don't worry about it, we're going to work on this in practice. He didn't cuss, yep. cuss them out. He didn't yell and cut them down. That's coaching. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm talking to caller Bobby. Having a great call here. We're going to keep him on for the last part of the show. We're talking about self-confidence, how you build it, how you destroy it. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Our shows are rebroadcast in a number of cities throughout the country and podcasted everywhere, and I'm having a great conversation with a caller named Bobby, who's an official here in the Kansas City area. So, Bobby, let me ask you, what, what's your definition of self-confidence? How, what's it mean to you? Uh, self-confidence is, uh, you know, because we have that as officials as well, uh, is to be able to um, do your job, um, do it at the best of your ability. Uh, you're going to make mistakes, but to be able to say, yep, hey, I missed that call or, hey, I messed up, and we adjudicate the rules to, uh, you know, correct the error. If we do make an error, um, you know, there are officials out there that, you know, think they're right and there's nothing you can do about it, and they're going to stick with their call. Um, but in, 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 my, uh, in my years of officiating and learning, it is, uh, you know, in the end you want to make the call right. Uh, if you're wrong, you correct the error, and, uh, you know, you continue on with, uh, with the game and, you uh, you know, adjudicate those rules. So self-confidence is uh, very hard to build. Uh, you know, I think even as an adult, not just as a player or as a, as a child, uh, you know, self-confidence, I think, is any, anything you do in life. I'm asked this question a lot by a lot of people. Why would anybody want to be an official or an umpire referee? You're only, you know, if you do your job, nobody knows you. You're even there. But if you make a mistake, you're like the end of, of people's jokes and, and criticized and yelled at and cursed at and yelled at. So why are you doing it? Um, you know, I, I get asked that uh, by my wife all the time. Uh, you know, <laughs> She's a smart woman. She's a smart woman. Yes, and, uh, you know, this is uh, my passion. Um, I wish I would have started at a lot younger age, but to be honest, I don't know if I would have had the confidence that I have at, at the age I am now to be able to say, hey, coach, you're wrong. Uh, you know, and these young kids are out trying to do this, uh, trying to uh, officiate a game. Uh, you know, they don't have the self-confidence in that, and that's what we have to try to build up as leaders in the in the officiating world to hopefully get them to succeed and build that self-confidence into being able to keep them as an official. This, these kids can still uh, continue to play. You know, 
you you you've shared that you've seen you've officiated a lot of sports and you've seen a lot of things. Let's talk about how we solve the problem. Okay, uh, I give speeches on these things all the time. Obviously, I do this radio show. I co-wrote a book. Um, it's something that I think is a real issue, and self-confidence with kids you know everybody's got an issue with self-confidence at some point in their life it may be in school it may be in a relationship it could be in sports playing an instrument whatever it might be but when you make a mistake in a in an athletic event people see it and then that what's expressed towards you can help you or hurt you in a positive or negative way your job as an official obviously is is you know, it, it's a thankless job, really. I mean, how often do people come up to you, does a parent come up to you after a game and say, thanks, sir, for officiating the game? Well, it, it's actually, uh, you know, I will say in my uh, years of officiating, I mean, I walked off the field Friday night from a game, and I probably had six people thank me as I'm walking off the field. Well, that's um, great to hear. Yes, I, I do feel that there are some out there, but, you know, every team has that one parent, that one fan that uh, just, you know, wants to be heard and uh you know they're going to say whatever they feel they need to say and uh you know so in the whole scheme of things it's really it's really a a self-motivating job because you know i feel great when i know i called a good game uh you know like you said if you're not heard that's you know you called a great game if nobody knows you're there uh you know if you make that mistake and you adjudicate the rules to uh correct the air uh you know and you have the um Self-confidence is a great word to say, hey, yes, I made a mistake. We're going to correct it. Coach, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is what the rule states. And you correct that error and you have the self-confidence in doing it. Then, hey, yes, I made an error, but, hey, I corrected it. It's right. It's, you know, we adjudicated the rule the way it's supposed to be adjudicated. And you may not like the outcome, but, uh, you know, it is the rule. And it is, you know, the rules are written for a reason. So from your perspective, what do you think should be done with unruly coaches or parents who go over the edge in a game? What What do you feel should be done, and how should they be handled? Well, I, I like the the thing of uh, you know uh, penalizing that uh, that parent, whether it's an anger management, whether it's sitting through a uh, a rules course. Um, but in the end, how much are they really getting out of that? I think if the people would just realize that us as a sports officials are out there doing a job, um, me, myself, I mean, I can't speak for every official, but I'm out there to do the job the best I can, just like I do in my daily job. Uh, you know, I will say 90% of us sports officials have a regular job that we work eight to five or eight to three. If we have to leave early to go do a game, uh, you know, we're human. We're going to make errors. Uh, it's how we handle those errors. Um, you know, I wish I had the perfect answer because, you know, I could take this platform and go even further, but uh, I guess I'm just not in that position to say this is what needs to be done. But I well, think what do you think? What down, do you think? The, do you t- go ahead. Tell us what you think should be done. I, I think the ADs and the sports administrators, as they're out there in a high school game, they need to realize the situation and that it can get out of control when you hear that fan. Um, and you address that fan, say, hey, you know, our school don't allow that. Um, you know, we, we appreciate your input, but, uh, you know, the officials are here to do their job. You're here to be a spectator. We need you to be a spectator. If you want to be an official, here's the number. Um, it's, it's not hard to become an official. Um, it's, it's hard to, uh, you know, go out there and do the job, but it's not hard to become one. 
Well, our book, uh, Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Review Sports, has been out there for about four or five years now. We talk extensively about the power of communication and the impact this has on young athletes from parents and officials. And years ago, I used to call it the, the, the coach-parent-athlete triangle. Now I call it the coach-parent-athlete-official square because officials play such a key role in everything that goes on. And as I started the show, I started, you know, we're talking about self-confidence, how you build it, how you destroy it. I think officials' roles actually, as, as I'm talking to you now, actually play, play even a bigger role than I even thought about as we started the show. Because obviously what you do or say can dictate how things go. But I think as you start a game, Having some conversation, I know you as, as a head official, you'll say something to coaches, right? You go over and will say something yeah. to them about the rules or whatever, how things are going to go. But is there a criteria that you'll say to coaches, if if something happens, this is what I'm going to do? Do you share with them? Okay, coach, you know, but if there's out of control behavior by a fan or by you, I'm going to have to stop the game and say something. Does, does that go? Most people don't know what, what officials say. Does that happen at the beginning of a game? Or a well, competition. let's start with the U side. Yeah, we'll start with the U side first. If if I go to a, a pregame, which I am a head official, and I'll tell the coaches, if I eject a fan, you're going to go with them. So it is your job to control your fans. They're not my fans because we have no administrators on site. They are the administrator. So I tell a coach, hey, if I, if I eject a fan, you're going with them. And I will eject the coach just as well as the fan because he is in charge. Have you done that? Um, I have only had to do that one time. What happened? Uh, if I get a fan that gets, oh, it's it's not a pretty sight. But uh, you know, again, I, I warned him in the in the pregame, and uh, you know, I've had to go to coaches during games, say, hey, coach, you need to get your fans under control. And uh, you know, in our pregame, I advised you that you're going to uh, you know leave with the fan if I have to eject a fan, and usually that takes care of the situation. Well, share with I us what happened had, in that uh, one situation. Uh, well, you had a. a fan yelling and uh he wouldn't stop i went over coach told him hey coach you need to stop this fan he's you know it's a third grade football game if i remember correctly and uh you know he he kept going and going and the coach went over and talked to him and they couldn't get him and i said coach you either eject him or i'm going to and you're going to go with him and he wouldn't eject him so i ejected him and the coach went with him now that may sound harsh but, you know, I set the parameters of what's going to happen, and, uh, you know, I have to abide by those parameters as a head official. Now, in the high school side, you know, you, you can't eject a coach because of a fan's behavior. You have to go to the administrator and let the administrators handle it. And, uh, you know, once you approach that administrator, I will say 99% of them take care of the situation, and you don't have to. Because when we're having to deal with unruly fans and, and, and everything going on in the stands, we're not able to focus on the job we're there to do. Well, Bob, to officiate the game. I want to thank you for calling today and uh, sharing with me all of this. I, I think a lot of people are going to pick up a lot from this. I would like to, because of, because of how generous you've been with your time sharing with us, I want to uh, get you a copy of my book. So Blake's going to put you on hold, and we're going to uh, talk after the show how I can get you a copy of my book. I think you'll uh, really enjoy it. I want to thank you, sir, for calling and sharing your thoughts today and, and what well, you're doing. And, you and also, I want to thank you for doing for what you do, because officials usually don't get thanked well i appreciate that and and like i said uh, what you're doing i think is good uh you know in, in the end it uh you know we want to see these kids play um we want to see uh you know these kids succeed whether it's in uh you know sports or in life in general and the self-confidence is a big key in them succeeding well thank you sir for calling i appreciate it thank I'm, you i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs hope you enjoyed the show today 
You can hear our podcast on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can also hear them on major podcast apps. You can get a hold of me at my office, 816-561-5556. Also, this Wednesday, I'm doing a Facebook Live streaming with Harry Miller, the Ohio State Center, who quit football because of mental health. Take care. We'll talk to you next week.